entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello, and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. This is episode four, and I want to thank you for listening. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Um, We'll be talking to Dan Lesniak, who is uh, one of the best real estate agents in the country, and he's only been doing it for about four years. In fact, uh, he and his wife are the number one real estate team in Arlington, Virginia. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that area, it's just one of those first suburbs right outside Washington, D.C., one of the hottest real estate markets in the country. Uh, In 2014, they sold more real estate than anyone else in that area. And in fact, now um, are the number two real estate team in the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. So pretty exciting uh, that we have somebody of such stature on the program. I was uh, pleased to meet Dan about 12, 13 years ago when we were both studying uh, in the Graduate Department of History at the University of Maryland, and we've been friends since, um, and I'm excited to uh, have him on the podcast. I uh, Also, uh, last week, you may have heard our entire show was devoted to uh, one guest as well, Steve Everett. Uh, Steve Everett's a musician out of Nashville, and we were also treated to a song of his at the end of last week's podcast. Well, we've got another treat for you this week. We're going to also end this podcast with one of Steve Everett's other songs. And the podcast won't be over with Dan's interview. In fact, it'll be over when you hear the song Ain't Over Yet um, by Steve Everett. So stay tuned for that at the end of the podcast. In the meantime, I want to thank you all for liking uh, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Agents of Innovation Podcast. And also for following us on Twitter at Agent Innovation. Appreciate all the shares and you helping to spread the word. And also for you subscribing on iTunes. Um, It's free um, to subscribe on iTunes. You just download the podcast app, which is free. And then you search for Agents of Innovation Podcast. Many of you probably are listening because you did just that. And if you just hit the subscribe button, you'll get automatic notifications for this podcast. So thank you so much, and I also uh, will, uh, am blogging about each episode on my personal website, franciscogonzalez.us, franciscogonzalez.us, so you can find all the uh, short blogs about uh, each of the guests uh, on the program uh, after uh, each of these shows go live. So thank you so much for listening, and let's get started with this podcast. Okay, well, next year, I want to welcome my friend Dan Lesniak to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Uh, Dan, how are you doing today? Great. How are you doing, Francisco? I'm doing great. Well, Dan, um, I want to tell our listeners a little bit about you. Um, You founded the Orange Line Living brand back in 2011, uh, basically selling real estate in the Arlington, Virginia area. But I know prior to that, um, you... uh, Went to the U.S. Naval Academy. Uh, like me, you're from South Florida and a big Miami Hurricanes fan. I know we share that bond. Uh, and then you also uh, have a graduate degree um, from the University of Maryland's History Department, just like me. And that's actually where I first met you. Uh, but uh, you also went on to do an MBA at Georgetown University. And I know you served in the United States Navy and as a nuclear submarine officer. And then you went on to be a defense contractor. And then from there, I know you went into real estate where you've just seen a lot of success. But uh, 
before we get to what you're currently doing, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, you were in the Navy and you uh, uh, then from there, tell me how you, uh, how you, uh, your career in the Navy and then a little bit about how you went from there to, uh, to being a defense contractor. Sure. Well, thanks for the introduction. Glad I can be here. I started um, my career in the Navy down at, uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. I went through the uh, power school uh, pipeline, ended up on a submarine out of Kings Bay, Georgia. I was on the USS Tennessee for about uh, just under three years. And then my, my shore duty station after that was at the Pentagon. So I ended up in the Arlington, Virginia area. And at the time, I was going to Georgetown part-time, working on my MBA. And after, after my time in the Navy was up, I stayed in the area, got a job as a defense contractor, like many people do. Um, you know, so that's, that's how I got from the Naval Academy through, through Georgetown and, and um, ended up in, in the D.C. area, Some, somewhere in, in that whole... Uh, progression i i met you while uh, attending the university of maryland which was just after my my time at the naval academy yeah no and i remember that and it's kind of funny because now that i'm i'm kind of thinking about that and seeing your a little bit of your life story today and your career i'm thinking that you're you've never kind of just done one thing <laughs> because when you were in the uh, naval academy i know um, you could have just gone right out of the navy and done, uh, you know, just gone right to uh, your 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 naval uh, required service. Um, but I know the Navy, Naval Academy had a special program uh, with University of Maryland and other schools in that DC consortium. So uh, you were doing this master's degree in history on the side, and and then it sounds like when you went um, back to DC later uh, after serving in Charleston and uh, and then Jacksonville area and all that. Um, you then uh, were kind of getting a, an MBA on the side uh, while a defense contractor. So um, it seems uh, it seems like you, you just you, you just kind of don't stay still, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's a good way of, uh, of looking at it. Because um, after I finished my my degree, uh, my MBA at Georgetown, I was I was still in the same. Uh, defense contracting role. And I actually started doing real estate on the side. So, um, yeah, so it seems like that, that element has always, always been there for me, kind of looking for the next, the next thing to do in, in life or in business. So, uh, so tell me about, um, what kind of, so you're, you're, I mean, you've got a, this is a very successful career, you know, a naval career and then a defense contract career. And a lot of people would probably be pretty satisfied, and I'm sure many people are satisfied in doing that work. And uh, I remember one day talking to you, and you're like, yeah, so I started doing real estate on the side. And it was also, I think if I remember, uh, it was something around 2009 or 10 or something like that when, um, you know, being, I live in Florida, and Florida, you know, the real estate market just crashed, you know, just like most of the country. Obviously, the D.C. area uh, is one of the best real estate markets in the country. Um, uh, and so what kind of got you thinking, I want to just start doing this real estate on the side? And tell me a little bit about 
the first sale you made? Sure. Well, that's a, um, yeah, that's a great question. So in, I actually started in 2011 and I was, I was buying my, uh, a home up in the area and I, I kind of, it was not the first time I'd bought a home. So I, I, you know, fortunately through the Navy and, and having access to VA, uh, you know, the VA loan program, I was able to buy uh, my first home at an early age. But when I was buying a, a home up in Arlington, I, I, I just felt like, you know, I knew a lot about the, the process and it was something I enjoyed and I was going to keep on doing it more as a, as a way to invest things. I, I believe it's a great way to invest. And, you know, when it, when it came down to it, I just I thought I could do a better job representing myself than than any agent out there so I decided to get my license and you know I, I really just intended to to get it to help myself when I was buying investment properties so that that was my intention when I got in but then you know once once I got my license I just started looking for for ways to to do it you know a little bit more often and I thought it would be something a little bit more um, exciting than, than what I was currently doing. So it's, you know, it's been, um, you know, it's a decision I'm really, really happy I made now. And it's, it's, you know, looking back at my life five years ago, it's, it's vastly different than it is now. And that's, that's the, one of the major reasons why. So, um, so basically you're, you were, uh, you were your first client, in a sense. Well, not no. That I, I I got my license while I was going through the purchase of that of that home, but I, you know I didn't I didn't. It takes you know a few weeks or, or a couple months to to get it. So by the by the time I got my license, I already had my um, I, I'd already completed the purchase of that home. So my my first client I actually found a couple months later and. Uh, I did it by basically scouring Zillow. You know, I'm sure you've heard of Zillow. Everyone has now, but back then, not as many people were using it. But there was a there was a section on there called uh, Zillow Make Me Move, and you know, it was where homeowners would post a price that they were uh, you know willing to sell their home for, but they weren't necessarily actively trying to sell their home. So I. I contacted them, told them I thought I could get that price for them, and then started showing them homes to, you know, that they wanted to move up into. And so my first client was a a move up buyer, so it was somebody buying a bigger home in the area and selling their existing home. So uh, for those that don't know the DC area, uh, Dan's uh, brand here is Orange Line Living, and or, and the Orange Line is basically a major uh, line in the uh, DC Metro subway uh, map. And so, uh, you know, Dan, tell us a little bit about the Orange Line and the real estate market right there, and what people are kind of looking, for, the type of people that are looking for real estate there. Yeah, so the, the Orange Line corridor kind of it goes, you know, through DC and then through the heart of Arlington and then out into Fairfax County. And um, in the 70s and 80s, the, the city planners made a, what turned out to be a really good decision to, to put the metro line underground when they were expanding it. 
in that area. So the first five stops in Arlington, the Metro goes underground and it really encouraged a lot of, you know, vertical development, a lot of walkable homes and, and real estate. So the, the boom really started to happen in the two thousands there. And you ended up getting a lot of condos, townhomes, um, you know, a lot of live work play kind of concept buildings. So, now it's a really vibrant area, a lot of young professionals. I think the average or the median age is probably 31 or 32. So it's a, it's a place that's probably one of the top 10 and depending on which survey you look at to, to live in in America. And, you know, really good price points on homes. Median home prices are well into the 400s. So uh it's an area with uh you know a lot of young professionals and uh just a, a great community so dan uh for our listeners here i want to give them a sense of how su- how successful you've been over the last 4 years uh you've now um over the last 4 years have represented more buyers and sellers in the uh orange line corridor than any other real estate agent and then in 2013, you co-founded the City Smart Living Team, and it became one of the area's highest-producing real estate teams with over 60 transactions, totaling nearly $40 million in sales in just the first nine months. Um, and then uh, later that year, you reorganized the team and integrated it with the Carrie Scholl team. Um, and Carrie is your wife now. Tell us a little bit of the story of how you met Carrie and what she was up to. Yeah, well, um, I first met Carrie at the, be- the beginning of 2013, and I I was coming off a really successful first year uh, in 2012 where I, I, I had over 36 sales um, in my, my first full year of real estate, and I was in the process of leaving Century 21 and going to the Keller Williams office. And I actually brought a couple agents with me and started a team called the City Smart Living Team. And at the at the time, I was also starting a title company. So I, I was trying I was I was trying to meet a lot of the top producing agents to uh, recruit them to use the title company that I was starting with a, a couple other attorneys. And, you know, Carrie was one of the top agents at, at Keller at the time, actually the top agent. And um, so when, when we first met, it was, you know, I was, I was just trying to recruit her to, to use the title company. Um, meanwhile, she was also a competitor in, in my same marketplace. And she actually started to do a lot of uh, marketing in one of the buildings that I really had a great market share in. And, um, yeah, it's kind of funny to, to think back on now, but, but back then, uh, one of the ads she, she posted on uh, Craigslist, I actually, uh, thought it violated some technicality. So I actually filed an ethics violation against her <laughs> right, right before we met. <laughs> Um, that's a way to uh, pick up women, right? Yeah. So it, it, it worked. I, I, I dropped it before it went to the, the, uh, 
you know, the, the board and whatnot. But um, so so we 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 met, you know, largely through my my as, as competitors and then through my efforts to uh, recruit her to use the the title company that I had just started. Well, that's great. Uh, great story. Um, so now you guys, um, uh, you've combined forces in more than one way because uh, you, you got married um, and you've also combined uh, the business. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about um, br- the process of bringing the teams together and, uh, and also, um, you know, without getting too personal here, what's, it, what's the, the dynamic here as a husband-wife business team? Yeah, so so bringing the teams together, um, you know, r- really wasn't too much of a challenge for us. I I, I thought it made good um, business sense, and 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 so did Carrie. And um, we we really didn't have any cultural challenges, so to speak. Of, um, you know, her her team at the time was was bigger. So I was, I was very respectful of that and, you know, didn't, didn't try to come in and be the alpha dog or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's worked well at at times we've had a little bit of, uh, you know, competitiveness, but, but I think we, we learned to, to deal with that and to, you know, put each other first, put the team first, put our clients first. and, And that's, that's really served as well. So basically, in 2014, you guys, after bringing the team together, um, you became the number one selling team in Arlington, uh, selling twice as much as any other real estate agent or team. And I think you are also the second largest uh, real estate team uh, or seller of real estate. How do you say that in in the entire state of Virginia? Yeah, so... um... We, we, we sell more than anybody in Arlington, and we basically have ever since we, we combined. And our, our, our team has sold, in 2014, it was twice as much. This year, it's actually almost three times as much as any, any other team or agent in Arlington. And, and right now, uh, for the year, we're, we're number two in the, the state of Virginia compared to any other agent or team. So it's, it's, it's been a really really great um, success so far and, and we're looking forward to keeping it up and getting that number one spot <laughs> yeah so obviously I mean four years of this kind of success seems I mean amazing uh, when, I, when you think about it and what what kind of challenges what, what were the first you know I mean we talked a little bit about your first clients but maybe some early challenges but what were some of the early challenges and also, if, if you could tell me at what point when you were just doing this on the side that you realized this is bigger than a side business and I need to uh, quit my full-time job as a defense contractor and do this full-time. What, what kind of went into all that process? Yeah, so, um, well, going back, I guess, four years ago, I, for, for about the first four months, I, I really didn't know if anything would become of it, but then... I started. I started a strategy called, uh, you know, most people would call it like hyper localism, where I just kind of picked a building, picked a block, and, and tried to dominate it. And all of a sudden, about four or five months in, I, I noticed it was really, really working. And um, 
sometime in early 2012, I think around actually in the first month, I'd already lined up probably 10 or 11 deals to close in the first quarter. And, you know, all of a sudden I looked up and realized that in two or three months I was going to make as much as I would my whole entire year at the defense contracting company. So I, I realized like the big risk isn't, you know, leaving or yeah, the big risk isn't leaving my, my full-time, you know, government kind of contracting guaranteed job. The, the real risk is if I stay here and screw up a deal or, um, you know, miss out on this bigger opportunity. So, you know, at that, at that point I, I gave my, my two weeks notice and, um, really haven't looked back you know, ever since. So what would, uh, do, we, do you have any advice for kind of would-be entrepreneurs or maybe someone that's kind of like in a job like that, whether it's a government job or just a job that, you know, seems kind of, a, you know, safe, uh, successful type of uh, job, but they want to kind of break out and do something entrepreneurial. Um, any advice you would give them? My, my biggest advice to them would, would be to just to do it. Um, yeah, I wish I quit a little bit sooner actually, but not that I regret it, but I, I, I think, um, you know, I think it's a great myth that going out on your own or getting in a sales role or starting a company is, 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 um, a real risk. You know, to me, the real risk is, is staying in a, a job where you might, you might not have the, the full control over your, uh, your salary, or even if you have a job, I mean, even, you know, even if you're the CEO of a fortune 500 company, you can still get fired by the board or the stockholders. So, uh, you know, I, I think, I think what I'm doing is less risky than what a lot of people. So that, so that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot, you know, a lot of people don't think about it that way. And, but you're, you're your own boss at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, and, and so is your wife in a sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, how, how's that now as your own boss, you're also taking on the whole, you know, responsibility for the company. How, how many people, uh, work, uh, for your entire company? Well, right, right now we've, we've got, um, I believe 32 people. Um, so it's that in itself has been a huge transition. You know, it's my first, my first year, it was really me on my own doing everything A to Z. And so now the, the challenge has kind of shifted for me out there doing every sale to, to training other sales agents, training staff. And, and really the big challenge is at some point in your entrepreneurial career or, um, you know, starting your own business, you're going to, you're going to reach your full capacity. And the only way to grow is to, at that point is to, is to hire other people, create jobs for other people and, you know, train them and let them grow. So that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, that's great. Um, so as you're doing that, what, yeah, I mean, you're putting an investment in other people, what kind of, um, you know, for those kind of looking to get into uh, real estate, like what kind of uh, applicants are you looking for and the kind of people, uh, you know, you want to hire on your team? Well, we, we want people that are, 
really motivated, um, really creative, uh, people that are willing to uh, take risk, and 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 they've got to be a great cultural fit. So, um, you know, if someone's values don't align with ours, even if they're the best producer, we're not going to let them stay around. So, what kind of values and culture does your team encompass? Well, I think it's a it's a fun group. It's a it's a challenging group. Every uh, everyone works hard. Uh, is a team team player and and puts the success of the clients and 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 of the team first so those those are the big things for us and i was going to ask you a little bit about that too your clients because um it's funny i was talking to some friends of mine that don't know well they don't know we're friends or they didn't know you personally and i don't even know how it came up in conversation but they said something about um orange line living and I said hold on a second that's my friend Dan <laughs> um and so uh they said oh man yeah I mean that I mean they, they reckon that your brand was super recognizable these are people in their early 30s the kind of clients uh that you said were in that area uh, who were talking about that so I thought man you've really built a brand there in just the last few years um what is your marketing like and also what uh type of attention do you p- pay to clients why do they keep coming back to you well, our, our marketing, you know, we, we do more marketing in the area than any other team or, or agent or, or even, you know, entire brokerages. So we, you know, we, we do everything, really. We're, we're always experimenting, trying new types of marketing, trying to measure results, see what works and, you know, doing more of what works. But, um, you know, in general, we, we, do, we do a lot of direct mail, a lot of Internet marketing, um, a lot of social media, videos, YouTube. So we, we, we kind of do everything. Um, our, our biggest actually source of business in the last year, though, has been uh, repeat clients and referrals. So I, I, think, I think that's you know, an indication that, that clients are having a good experience with us. Uh, a few of the unique things we do that that you know most other agents have never even heard of or even considered doing is we, we offer a lot of guarantees. So whereas a lot of agents will kind of make promises about what they'll do to sell your house or or how the experience you know is, we'll we'll actually put our money where our mouth is. So you know if you're a move up buyer, we offer a move up buyer guarantee where. You know, if your house doesn't sell in time to buy the house that you're buying, we'll, we'll actually buy it. Um, you know, and that, that's just one example of some of the type of guarantees that we do. But, you know, I think a lot of people really are intrigued by that just because it's something they haven't seen often in the marketplace. Yes. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're really paying attention to your customer base and customer service, right, is the, uh, the old adage. You know, you just have to pay attention to your customers. Um, but also, you know, I guess uh, one, one of the final questions I want to ask you and, um, is, uh, you know, how did you break into this market? Because it seems to me, you know, the D.C. area is such an established place. And even, you know, Arlington, even though it being newer, um, still, you know, I remember being there 10, 15 years ago. And there was a lot of real estate and obviously things are still growing. But um, I would think that there would have, there were already have been people doing what you're doing and how did, you know, 
how did you kind of break into that uh, market and become, you know, just the number one team? Yeah, so it it has been a market that is um, that that has had a few big players uh, or lots of big players for several decades. So when I when I was first, you know, breaking into it, um, the, the, you know, I, I was going up against some some agents that had been doing it for twenty or thirty years, and uh, you know, I just didn't. I'd never let it get to me. I didn't have any fear. I didn't. I didn't take no for an answer. I, I kept trying and looking for for ways to, to to do a better job than them. And you know, a lot a lot of times, if I was interviewing for a listing and was going up against an established agent, I would, you know, I would tell the person, look. You know, I haven't I haven't sold a, a home in your community yet. If if I mess it up, I'll never get another shot. But you know, if you use the guy who's sold thirty homes and he messes you know one deal up, he's he's still going to be okay. You know, so I, I just kind of told people that look, I'm going to work harder for you and 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 get the result. And you know, and I started very 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 um, lightning focused. So I wasn't trying to go, you know, Fairfax, Arlington, DC. Uh, I really tried to dominate the the building, the condo building that I lived in. And then, you know, when I had a few successes there, I'd spread out to the condo building across the street or the townhome community, you know, a block away. So um, really it was just about focus and, and energy. Well, Dan, I know you know a, a little bit about focus and energy and motivation. Um, uh, you've run a few marathons and, uh, that is not for the, uh, faint of heart. Uh, and I remember you doing this maybe for the first time. Tell me a little bit about, uh, what you're, uh, you're, you still, you keep still keeping up with that running and, and, uh, and how about, um, you know, any marathons on the horizon? Yeah, actually I just ran my 11th marathon in May and I'm, I'm, training for to do my 12th one sometime this fall um we've we've got a baby on the way in august but but i'll uh hopefully run one you know a couple months after that or, or so so t- what, when was your first marathon my first marathon actually was in 2008 and where did you do that one now that was the marine corps marathon and and it was it was a struggle <laughs> so, um <laughs> You know, I, I took over five hours, which is slower than Oprah Winfrey's <laughs> marathon time. But um, within a year, I dropped it down to three three ten and qualified for, for the Boston Marathon. So, wow, is that your uh, is that your fastest marathon now? Or, or? Three actually three oh seven. So I got a little bit better um, after after that one. Uh, and now I'm I'm fighting to get back in, into that kind of. Uh, time <laughs> well that's just incredible and i think for our listeners i just you know want to reiterate the the success you're having um and you have 32 employees working for you uh i know you and your wife are now a combined team doing this you've got a baby on the way and you still find time to train uh and run marathons because you have to train for those things i don't care how many times you've done that um how do you find the time to do that and uh, and how can you, like, what kind of advice can you impart on other people about finding that time, uh, not just to do these, you know, 
businesses on the side and which have become a, a, a your full time gig now, but also you know just to keep in shape and um, and uh, you know get your exercise and, and do other things. Like I know you just came back from a trip from Europe, um, but uh, what? How do you find the time? Yeah, you, you just you just have to decide that you know there's certain things you're going to do and, and find the time to do. Um, you know, so for running, I, I usually set my alarm pretty early, usually around five thirty. get up, meditate for, you know, a few minutes and then, and then go run for an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, I'm done by seven, seven thirty, and I've already done something good for my mind and good for my body at that point. And then I, you know, that, that gets me in the right physical and, and mental state for the day. And, and really it's just that getting up early and, and getting, getting in the right, you know, mindset. I, mean, I try not to check my, uh, my emails before seven thirty or eight, you know, a lot of people I think fall into that trap of, you know, waking up and then, uh, opening their iPhone. And then you, you at, at that point you're, you're taking, you're giving up control and you're letting, you know, whatever random thing pops in your, your phone or computer be what, flood your mind right away so you know rather than do that i i try to dedicate the first hour to two hours of the morning to some mental and, and physical exercise and and just go from there and i, I think if, if something's important to you you can always find the time it's it's kind of like the the parable about the the jar that's full of rocks and you know the professor asks is it, is it full and you know half the class says yes and then he pours pebbles in it and says now is it full and then he pours sand in it and says, now is it full? And, and, and then after that, you know, he, of course, he pours water in it. So there's, there's always ways to, to find time. Well, Dan, you just seem to keep filling up that jar. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to fill it up with next. Um, and I know the baby's on the way, so congratulations. And uh, we'll look forward to, to talking with you in the future. Um, tell me. Uh, if folks are looking uh, for Orange Line Living or uh, even just to find out more about you, uh, where can they go? Yeah, our, our website is livetheorangeline.com. So that's, that would be a good place. Or, to, or check out my wife's uh, page. It's carryshoal.com. Um, and that's S-H-U-L-L, carryshoal.com. Well, great, Dan. Well, hey, thanks so much for being with us on the uh, Agents of Innovation podcast. Um, I'm just going to have to keep up with your productivity somehow. This is a, a great story, and uh, we wish you all the success going forward. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It was, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Dan.
Up again. 